VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 682, recorded on April 19th, 2023. The 682nd edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 515th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I'm TJ Denson. I'm Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. So, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. I've been playing two new games. Uh, one, Minecraft Legends, which sort of, I forgot it was coming out yesterday. And um, I don't know what to think of it so far. I feel like, I, like I'm playing Brutal Legend, except with Minecraft characters right now. I don't know if anybody remembers Brutal Legend. Um, that was a double fine game from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. The, I'm playing the campaign and I'm sort of okay about it. Um, I have a feeling the multiplayer is where all the action is going to be because the multiplayer looks fun. Playing the uh, the campaign is a bit slow, even yeah. if you, yeah, it's okay. And I'm just wondering why am I needing to have a Minecraft for this? Basically, it's Brutal Legend also mixed in with Pikmin slash Overlord, in which you're just summoning your own little troops to uh, to do things for you. Yeah. Have you played it yet, Scott? I have not played it yet. Okay. I fiddled with it a little bit. Uh, it's fun. I, I've actually played around in the multiplayer, too. and uh, The multiplayer, the multiplayer, seems to be, ver- multiplayer seems to be where it's at. It is very much a brutal legend type setup where you uh, you set up uh, increasingly more you set up increasingly stronger structures that allow you to build better things and better like minions, and then you try to take them over to your <coughs> to the enemy's base, get inside and blow up their towers. The only problem I have is the gamepad. I don't like playing it with a gamepad. I think if you're playing with a key- mouse and keyboard, it might be a lot better. Yeah, I played with the gamepad too. I don't know. I felt like it was intuitive enough to to get by. Uh, it's yeah, not like the best. It's you a, can't, I think you're right. It's probably better on P, on a mouse well, and keyboard. Here's my problem: is that when you're sending troops out, you know, when you press the Y button, it's like they go so far away. It's like that's not where I want them to go. I want them to go right in front of me. Oh uh, yeah, they like run in a straight line to the to the nearest solid object in the direction you pointed them. And uh, I don't know. I uh, I really enjoy the the unit variety and like how you can utilize the creeps because uh, <laughs> and literally the creeps because you get to use creepers and zombies and yep. And uh, let me tell you, when it comes down to the final when it comes down to the final minutes, my current strategy is Zergresh, which is deploying some creeps to blow up the outer walls and then just. Running in with uh, all my little critters and uh, letting them loose, and then running away and gathering a whole new set of critters to bring back. I think, uh, you know, uh, I think those little uh, stone punchy guys are probably the most valuable because they take down they take down buildings fast. Um, then you have your uh, guys who you summon with uh, not coal, it's uh, copper. Those guys you summon with copper are supposed to be hardy, and you know they're fighters. That can do it. The guys who shoot, uh, the wood guys, I, 
I never seem to think like they're doing any real damage. Yeah, they're uh, they're good for bolstering. Like and and like when other players are uh, attacking you, they're good for uh, pinning them down and just continuing to put damage on them. See, but that's multiplayer. I'm talking about the campaign. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't gotten. To, I've gotten about maybe. I got. I just got past the part in the in the campaign where you destroy the three uh, the three piglin camps. Yeah, I also defeated the uh, thing that was blocking out the sun. Yeah, it's cute, and I and then the narrative is probably. I don't know. I have we had like really really good narratives since Minecraft story mode. It's aimed at kids. It feels like, but it's charming. I like it. Um, how's the building aspect? It's automatic. So what happens is that um, you get gather the resources and then you plonk it down and then these fairies build it for you. So it's not like you're building anything. You're never ever chopping anything down, too. You just plop down a, uh, a, a pillar and it'll tell you, OK, get all the wood in this area and it'll start getting the wood for you. So, like I said, it's it's not Minecraft in that which you're actually built. I mean, you can build I mean, you can build ramps and walls and other stuff. You know, but when it comes to, say, building a bench, uh, you know, like a, a workbench or that, yeah, it's, it's all automatic. It, it sounds like your typical uh, RTS game then. It, it, it's like I said, it's like Brutal Legend meets Overlord or Pikmin. Or Tower Defense as well. It's uh, It's got some Tower Defense elements to it. Yeah. Uh, the scenery is gorgeous, though. Um, as much gorgeous as, as a Minecraft scenery can be because... This is curated, so it's like you run over these. Oh, God, by the way, I hate those bramble bushes because I always oh, yeah. see them too late, and it's like it's just annoying. Hate They're them. the Resident Evil 4 bear trap of this game. Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't kill you and take you out of your misery while you're stuck to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, if you were expecting a building game, uh, uh, it's only building in the fact that you're not, you know, you're not doing it from bricks. You have to find the bricks, and you have to... You have to. You don't mine them yourself. Other people mine it for you. So you're not going to get that that tactile Minecraft feel. It's more like the game is Minecraft skinned, but it's still fun. I mean, it's on Game Pass, so there's no excuse if you have Game Pass not to play it, or at least give it a try. Yeah. I also um, played today a day early uh, Coffee Talk Two, and for those who don't know Coffee Talk, it's basically the barista version of Valhalla. It's a visual novel. Occasionally mixed in with mixing drinks, and you have to guess what they need. Um, still charming, still relaxing, still a great story that you just bathe yourself in. You know, it's one of those one of those games where you just have to immerse yourself in the narrative and just relax. It's basically a visual novel with some drinks mixed in. Did you play the first Coffee Talk? Yeah. Okay, it's more of the same. As a matter of fact, the first character you meet is the police officer from the first game, and they talk about what Freya is doing, who is the writer from the first game. She's on vacation. I don't know if we'll see her. I think they just want to introduce all new characters, because we meet a satyr and a banshee, aside from the police officer on the first day. And I've, all I have is played the first day. Hmm. So if you enjoyed Coffee Talk, this is more of the same. Don't expect much different <laughs> so far. Yeah, that doesn't sound bad at all. Yeah, it's, well, like I, it's it's fun. So, what have you been playing, TJ? Besides Minecraft Legends? Uh, I no, I had one on the tip of my tongue, but then I started thinking about Minecraft Legends, and I completely forgot. <laughs> Scott, what have you been? Oh, playing? I know, oh. Mage Seeker. 
Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't heard the new League of Legends Riot Forge game. Okay. Uh, I like it a lot. It comes from the same folks who made Moonlighter. Um, and it has that sort of top-down action RPG vibe to it. You play as a character named Silas, who in League of Legends, Silas can uh, steal other people's magic and use it as his own. So it's a game in which when you come up against other magic users, you yoink their powers from them and use them against other enemies in the heat of combat. And it's really fun. He he was like a prisoner, and he had these cha- they When he broke free, he took his chains with him because they can store magic. And uh, so he also has like this sort of hookshot element to him where he can whip his chains at an enemy and yank himself to them or whip them to like a, an anchor point on the map and yank himself across long gaps. Um, and, like, it's got a lot of good working elements to it. Like, moon, the Moonlighter devs are working on it. They got a good action RPG vibe to it. Gareth Coker, who did the soundtrack for Ori and the Blind Forest, did the yeah. soundtrack for this game as well. He also, he also did a little bit of Halo Infinite, too. Yeah, and his soundtrack in this game is fantastic. He really makes the dramatic moments swell. Um I'm having a blast with the game. Well, what do you expect? I mean, we've heard the music to Ori, both games. Yeah. But, like, I love Moonlighter. I love Coker. I love, uh, I I like League of Legends lore and not having to play, like, (laughs) not not have to play with the toxic players as a bonus. And be able to enjoy these. I've always thought that, like, League of Legends was, its strongest point was its lore and characters. And this is a good example of what it can be, what can be done with it. When you put it into a good developer's hands. How about you, Scott? What have you been playing? I don't know if I've talked about Earthlock uh, before. No, you haven't. No. No, okay. Uh, so it's uh, a turn-based uh, side-scrolling game um, with a little bit of you know adv- adventure and exploring. And you're this uh, pilot who's just like graduated or um, per class, and she's going to pass and go on to go on missions and. Uh, you you have this tutorial that shows you how to play the fighting and do some stealth and um, it's an interesting story so far and I, I like it so that's what I've been playing. I imagine you're then excited to play Earthlock too when it comes out next year. That'll be awesome. Yes. So yeah, Earthlock uh, came out back in 2018. Um, it's, it's by Snowcastle. It's it's got some interesting visuals. It's like a classic 3D, uh, well, they call it a 3D RPG from the 90s, from the late 90s. Yeah, and you have um, some different uh, characters that are uh, different animals, and yeah, of course, you're humans. Uh, and it's kind of steampunk, maybe a little bit more than steampunk, but uh, it's it's fun. It has a good story so far. Like I said, there's a sequel coming out next, uh, next year. So, uh, moving on to the quick news... Um, Pretty sure uh, TJ is excited about this. Uh, Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals gets a July 2023 release date. Um, I liked Oxenfree, but it was one of those games which I decided I got the ending I wanted. I'm not going to play it anymore. TJ, you loved Oxenfree a lot more than I did. <laughs> I do. I think it's an, uh, it's not often that we get like a supernatural thriller uh, point and click anymore. And Oxenfree, like, it really does kind of capture that sort of like the only thing i can really think of and i guess it's gonna sound cliche is it really captures sort of a stranger things and makes it work in a really good uh interesting and original setting 
Um, so they talked a little bit about, in addition to the July release date, you're going to have a new function in this one where like you can actively communicate by radio and, and have dialogue with the, with other characters while you're wandering around. Cause, cause a few of the characters have a walkie talkie. And so you can just ring them up and like, that will be part of the branching narrative, which is interesting because usually the branching narrative was confined to like anchor points. Like you get to a certain point and you make decisions about that point and then you move on. So to have that like constant possibility of switching roads as you're going through the game is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Um, the other game that these guys did uh night school studio is, um, uh, after party, which I try to like, but it just felt like post-grad angst to me. It was just so... Oxenfree had, was the same tw- uh, got people in their 20s angst, but it wasn't, it was, it wasn't as, as obvious as After Party was. So I'm hoping that they, they, they don't, don't indulge in 20s angst, although maybe they'll deal with late 20s, early 30s angst now because the developers are getting older. Yeah, and uh, I would I would agree with that. It was a pretty angsty game, and like even even the original Oxenfree was pretty angsty. There's there's still a lot of devs that like to make younger protagonists to appeal to younger audiences. Yeah, they're called Japanese developers. Nobody and no no character in there is ever over the age of forty. No, I mean no playable character, no playable character over the age of thirty. Sometimes I think that there are groups out there that are good at doing young angst. Uh, the what was the game name of that game? The storybook game with the animal people. Uh, oh, I know you're talking about. Yes. Um, the one with, yeah, in which you came back. Oh, God, name of that game. I know the game you're talking about. It had sort of like a paper cutout look to it. Um, that's gonna drive, I got to bring this up because that's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> Something Lost Night at No. Uh, I, it's going to bother you, isn't it? It's the name of the town. I know that much. It's the name of the town that they live in. <laughs> Anyways, it, it, it had a it had a it had a fox Beacon and Beacon um, Signs is the name of the game. Beacon oh that no oh, I oh that wasn't the game I was thinking of. Beacon Pines was the one I was thinking of. Beacon I, Pines handles young angst very well. No, there was the other game in which you played a uh, wolf or a fox and you were you were uh, coming back home and your mother was there and uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that game now. Night of Night of the uh, something something. Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods, yeah. That's the game I was thinking of. That's a good one, too. Yeah. But I really like Beacon Pines. I think Beacon Pines does a really great job of handling kids that have problems and are confused about having at all. What's up? I don't think I remember Deacon Pines at all. Um, It was pretty good. It's, a, it's another sort of branching narrative storybook game. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. Yeah, it, it has the same. It has the same. It has the same aesthetic as 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 Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods is a little bit more like adult. Uh, yes, pa- I get it. Pastel, whereas uh, pastel and paper cutout. Whereas Beacon Pines is a little bit more like the, the characters are Stranger Things. Drawn. It's more like Stranger Things. Yes, we know. <laughs> well, I was gonna say the characters are beautifully drawn and uh, and very detailed, whereas Beacon Pines is kind of. Or I'm sorry, Night in the Woods is more like well, paper craft. You see, the mo- the point I'm making is that Night in the Woods did have a younger character and it did have angst, but it it worked a lot better. Yeah, I think perhaps, so too. Perhaps because you know the th- the one of the things that bothers me is when the uh, the writing becomes a little bit too Josh Weenisk, Josh Weenisk, and it starts getting a little bit too clever. 
No one talks that way. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're under stress. But anyways, um, I'm looking forward to Oxen Free 2. And usually in a game like this, if I get the ending I want, I'm fine. I don't have to play it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, next news item, lead design. Oh, by the way, um, one thing that's not on the uh, on the notes, and that is let us all bid a farewell to Netflix's DVD uh, what's it called? distribution. They're stopping it in September. DVD.net is closing. That's sad yeah. to me. I didn't even know that was ending. I, I hadn't. I thought they stopped. A long I use time it. Ago. I use it because I like it a lot better than the streaming service because I don't have to worry about what show to, to watch. They have all yeah, of them. It was a very niche thing, but still, like it, it was good for areas where people don't have great internet and can't stream as easily. And I don't want to buy DVDs from Amazon. Although you know the, the way it's going, you know these DVDs are starting to plunge into price like four dollars, three dollars. So, but still, um, it's sad. Anyways, uh, lead designer at Naughty Dog says Star Wars Battlefront 3 was legit, incredible, and LucasArts canceling was quote-unquote an absolute crime. Uh, the Free Radical game was in development for around two years before br- brutally axed. Here's my problem is that I saw the uh, video of it, and it's like, you have Emperor Palpatine attacking a, a regular old soldier, not even a, stor- a, stor- uh, not even a trooper, with a, uh, with a lightsaber, and the guy is just whittling down his health by shooting at his head, and that does not say Star Wars to me. <laughs> You should not have some random grunt being able to shoot Emperor Palpatine in the head and kill him that way. <laughs> not that killing him is is hard. Uh, not that killing. Uh, not that he stayed dead in any form, because apparently, no matter what you do to him, he will he will he will revive. Thank you, last star uh, star walk uh, sky last Skywalker, <laughs> rise of Skywalker, whatever the fucking idiotic movie. I have been dead before. Well, how are you supposed to take your death in that film seriously? Yeah. Well, no one dies. Chewie doesn't die. C-3PO doesn't die. No one dies in that film. You're not allowed. Oh, wait. Um, I'm sorry. Kylo Ren dies, but that's because he has he he, he cannot be better than than uh, the lead, the uh, Mary Sue. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like. I never liked Star Wars Battlefront too much in the first place, or at least the, I don't I don't, I didn't like the the modern generation of those games. Well, uh, they did come from somewhere. I mean, uh, Star Wars Battlefront one and two are supposed to be classics, and I guess they are for what they were, because those are that was early multiplayer. I did like uh, I did like the uh, the piloting game that uh, EA Motive did. Because I've always been more about the ships in Star Wars than the people and like the lightsabers and stuff. And particularly, I love the A-Wing. And being able to fly around in, a- in an A-Wing is fun. Are you talking about um, – well, that was an older game. I don't think Motive did it. Um, Squadrons. Oh, okay. No, I was thinking – Oh, I like Star Wars Squadrons. That was the one game that I really enjoyed playing with VR's headset. Because that game was, intention- was, was supposed to be a VR-only game. Yeah. Did you know that? And you could tell when you, if you're playing without a VR headset, you're doing a lot of stuff that normally you do with a VR headset, like the yeah. looking around thing. Uh, but playing it with with a VR headset is mind blowing. It is the best uh, space game I've played with the uh, with the with the VR headset, and I'm including Elite Dangerous in that because Elite Dangerous isn't bad is really good with a VR headset, but Star Wars Squadrons just made you feel like you were flying in, in a space battle. As a matter of fact. Um, it was too distracting because I never played well if I was doing a multiplayer game in VR in that game. Did you ever play X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter? 
I love Star Wars Squadrons so much. Okay. Um, like I said, the A-Wing is one of my favorite science fiction vehicles and anything. And any game that lets me, like, look around the cockpit and handle the controls and, and utilize it to its strengths and weaknesses is a winner in my book. And That's why I also like. I like playing space game, space combat games in VR because then you can look right behind you and see the uh, what you're not supposed to be able to see, you know, the back of your ship and, and all the stuff that you have back there. Speaking yeah. of spaceships uh, in VR, we need the, the Enterprise ships in VR to walk around. Like the Enterprise D would be a really good one to walk around. Well, here's the thing. In Star Citizen, you can walk around your ship. Yeah, but you got to pay the amount of a car to get one of no, those. No, that's not true. No. <laughs> You can be able to do that in Squadron 42, too. But you know what? Um, I'm going to tell you something. If Star Citizen does not have VR support, at least not yet, and if they include uh, VR support in something in it or Squadron 42, I am on like nothing else. I am, I'm there. I'll, I'll let them have all my monies to be able to do that, to be able to play that game in VR. Ditto for uh, Starfield, although I... Microsoft hasn't really been oh, – that's not true because Microsoft did release Minecraft in VR for the PlayStation. But I don't know. I, I just want VR in my space games, damn it. That's the reason. That's the entire reason for VR, to be able to be in a spaceship flying yeah. around. Agreed. And you know what they should do? You know what they should do? They should make an upgraded version of Star Wars Squadrons for PSVR 2 and put it on PS Plus. Do you know how awesome that would be and how fast I would pick that up alongside – a ton of other people. If it's on PS Plus, you're getting it for free. <laughs> I know, but that's what I'm saying. Make a make the PSVR 2 upgrade for it. Let the let people get in there for free in the give first people, month, and the, and then they uh, and then they have to pay for it afterwards. Give people an actual reason to have PS Plus, as we're going to discover later in this episode. Um, anyways, we're going to move on to game news, and uh, this one makes me want to put my fist through a wall. Nintendo Russia CEO running import company to skirt official sales ban. And this comes from Eurogamer. Uh, the controversial boss of Nintendo's Russian developer has reportedly set up a secondary company to import and sell Nintendo games, skirting the Super Mario Maker's official Russian sales ban. Nintendo officially halted pro- uh, sh- product shipments in 20, uh, to, uh, to Russia in March of 2022 and said its decision will remain in place for the foreseeable future. Nintendo also shut down their digital eShop in the region, citing the suspension of transactions transactions in rubles by the payment provider. They also said um, a couple of months later that it wasn't really affecting their sales. Now, a report by Russian outlet Commerçant has highlighted the recent sale of Metroid Prime remastered in Russia by a company named Achkiva, which has been set up by the Russia, Nintendo Russia boss Yasha Hadashi to import Nintendo games and consoles to Russian game stores. On the matter of Akitra importing new Russia, uh, new Nintendo products, such as the recently released N- N- Metroid Prime Remastered, Nintendo states it is, quote-unquote, aware of companies doing so, but is, quote-unquote, not affiliated with such companies as no such, no involvement in parallel import activities in Russia. I'm going to stop right here. Nintendo, who the fuck do you think you're fooling? You're fucking harassing streamers, and you don't have any control over your own product in other countries? Seriously? Yeah, I don't know about that. As the statement says, in a seemingly contradictory statement, as Nintendo acknowledges it's potentially looking to work with Akiva, but it claims it has no affiliation with companies that import its products, the suggestion here seems to be that Nintendo has no involvement in the import or sale of Metroid Prime Remastered, that Hadaji acted on his own, despite being a Nintendo employee. Yeah, and 
you know Nintendo is the first to sue anyone if they have an opportunity to do so. Um, for that, Matt, and for that case, there must be something very complicated about this where their hands are tied. No, I mean, Nintendo just wants the money. What's the money? I don't know. The lawyers are out there and immediately just going after them. By the way, speaking of lawyers, you know that Elon Musk is threatening to sue Microsoft for pulling ads from Twitter? Yes. I Elon. Does it. Elon. <laughs> Elon. Two things. One, Microsoft has an army of lawyers. Two, Microsoft has a bunch of senators on their side. Three, worry about the lawsuits against you first. Fight those lawsuits before you decide to sue other people. And it's specifically because Microsoft said that they weren't going to pay for his API, poor, which poor, is like $42,000 a month. Poor poor e- Eli, Elon. I, I weep for him. Uh, there's a lot of companies that are just like, nah, we're not going to do that. Goodbye, checkmark. We don't need it that much. <laughs> what was the whole thing? I really, I know I don't want to really talk about him, but the whole thing with painting the W on his building, like, what did he think he was achieving? I just... It's like when is Twitter? How how much longer can Twitter survive this onslaught of just idiocy? Well, he's gonna run out of money at some point because Twitter. He paid forty eight million for something that makes less than a million a month. I don't think he'll run out of money. I think he'll just sell it off to somebody else and or try to, or it'll just shut down because he's gonna be left holding the bag. I think he's gonna be left holding the bag, but he's. It's going to be very hard to shut down something like Twitter. It's uh, I don't know. Nothing's too big to fall. Hey, look, he uh, what's it called? Tesla's suing his ass because he, he's a really horrible business person. They, he doesn't know what he's doing for the most part. People say, well, he was rich. Yeah, he's rich because he started off rich. A group of Tesla shareholders, one should say. It's like, you know, Blockbuster it's, was a huge thing. It, it spread across the country, bought a whole bunch of stores. And so was Enron. So nothing is too big to fall. Yeah, but here's the thing. When you start off rich, it's easier for you to make money. This is what these cryptos bros don't seem to understand. If you may, if you have less than $100,000, don't even bother investing because you're not going to make any money. You have to crack that, that glass ceiling before you can start making money. You have to have at least a million dollars and be able to – you know, the rule of thumb is never invest what you, what you, what you can afford to – what you can't afford to uh, lose – only, if you invest in something, expect to lose all your money. That's when I go to when I went to Vegas. If I was gonna play, if I was gonna gamble, I was expecting to lose all my money. This is my this is my entertainment uh, budget. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, the same goes with Nintendo. You know, Nintendo, you're not too big to fail. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like it's it's silly about all this. Like with the with the Russian stuff, I don't. I wonder what's up. Like, I wonder if it's just about money because, like, a that's horribly bad PR for Nintendo, and Nintendo hates oh. anything. Makes when was when was bad. when was Nintendo ever really bothered by bad PR? All the time. That's why Never. they sue everybody who makes them look. No, bad. it's not. No, it's not. They don't sue people who make them look bad. They sue people who take who they feel is taking money away from them. They don't mind being the villain. The funny thing is that the creative the creative parts of Nintendo are gone. They're long gone. Sakamoto and stuff like that. They're gone. Now you just have the businessmen there again. And it was before, you know, before the artists took over Nintendo, they were Nintendo was doing a dive bomb. Look at the Nintendo 64. It was a massive failure. I don't know. There was a there was a certain time where you could say that, but I don't care. I don't think the current stock of Nintendo uh, executives feel are, are like that. Uh, trust me, they're, they're steering the company in the wrong direction. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next stupid company. <laughs> 
Sony is removing Spider-Man from PlayStation Plus, and this comes from The Gamer. Uh, this week's PlayStation blog provided some updates on the games coming to PlayStation Plus this month. Some of the popular title subscribers will be able to play for free include Doom Eternal, Wolfenstein 2, Kino Bridge of Shadows, and Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire has been on, on a Game Pass forever. I'm glad that PlayStation players are going to be able to play that. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you like roguelikes and you like card game deck building games, this is the number one game for you. Slay the Spire is awesome. And I noticed also Doom Eternal and, My- and Wolfenstein Tune, which are both uh, Microsoft products now. And apparently, according to Sony, they're going to nerf them and make them worse on PlayStation somehow. Unfortunately, as it is the case with competitor Game Pass, the fine print at the bottom of the blog post reveals that several games, including Marvel Spider-Man, will be leaving PlayStation Plus on May 15th. Sony calls this, quote-unquote, a part of our normal content refresh, as if adding new games to PlayStation Plus isn't enough. Apparently, you also have to remove some games to make the store feel fresh. Xbox does this with Game Pass whenever contracts with, whenever contracts with publishers expire or licensing deals interrupt its ability to offer certain games. But none of those things apply to Marvel Spider-Man. It's a first-party title that Sony owns, and it's not getting pulled from digital stores. It's only leaving the service because Sony thinks it can make a couple of extra bucks on the lead-up to Spider-Man 2. Um, we can move on. We can talk about the rest of this, but we know this is skeezy on Sony's part. They don't seem to well, get they, they don't seem to get the idea of what Game Pass is supposed to be. Microsoft yeah. says first party games on our Game Pass and they will never go away. They're all there. Yeah, uh, I mean, given the fact that Spider-Man 2 is pretty close at hand, I agree with you. That's probably a, well, I guess it's still a little bit of a distance off, but still, I agree with you that to remove it leading up to Spider-Man 2 is probably a play to get people to buy more Spider-Man. And I mean, that wouldn't be out of the norm for, for Sony in the first place. If anything, Sony is super, Sony is exactly what you, Sony is exactly the things you say you hate about Nintendo where they are, where they don't mind being the villain and they are all about the money. Well, the article goes on to say, given Sony's track record, it's not a surprising decision. Players saw the company nickel and dime its customers ahead of the PlayStation Plus relaunch when it devised a convoluted voucher conversion plan to ensure no one could exploit the new PlayStation Plus by buying extra months of the old one. And ahead of the Horizon Forbidden West launch, gamers saw Sony play semantics to try and weasel out of giving PS5 players the free next-gen upgrade they were promised. And even once it acquiesced, it still managed to obscure things enough that it got away char- with overcharging millions of people for the PS5 version of this game. I did not hear of this. Did, did you remember? <coughs> pardon. I don't remember anything like that about Horizon Forbidden West, but I do I remember, remember Miles Morales. Yeah. <laughs> about Spider-Man when you when people were trying to get the upgrade to the the PS5 version, and it was just a stupid, silly way of going about it, where you had to buy a certain version of the game. They costed more than the regular version of the game specifically, so you could access an upgrade from PS4 to PS5. You know. And, and if you happened to, like, buy the PS4 version before the PS5 came out, then you had to buy, like, an extra upgrade patch that would let you get the PS5 version. Let me, give you, a, let me give you a contrast. Uh, Clay, when they released the uh, upgraded version of Mark of the Ninja, if you already owned Mark of the Ninja, it was free. Next. If you moved on to a new console, say from the Xbox One or whatever, or to the PlayStation 4, to the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox, they allowed you to get the game for that uh, system for free. And you got the upgrade as well. I mean, for, it was actually the Xbox 360 version to the Xbox One. Still, you know, 
because the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4, they're different, they're different systems, you know. It's not like now where all Xbox One games work on Xbox Series X and all PlayStation 4 games work on PS5. No, this is going from Xbox 360 to the Xbox One, and there were two different machines. You still had to use emulation. So if you move from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One, you still got the game for free because you owned it on the previous system. That's clay. That, that, that's a marked difference from what Sony is doing. Can you imagine Sony saying, oh, yeah, if you owned uh, Spider-Man on the PS4, you have it free on the PS5 with all the upgrades. And there have been P- free PS4, PS5 upgrades, but I have to imagine that any developer that does that eats the cost. Yeah. Um, I Actually, there was an upgrade for a game that was announced today for free. I forgot which one, though. I, I do I do remember how uh, there would be PS I think it was a PS2 I I, don't, I think it was PS2 game Rogue Galaxy was on the PS4 but it's not on the PS3 so they have a lot of inconsistency there. I don't remember that game. Yeah, it's a good game. It's a uh, it's kind of like Star Wars but it's a uh, it's a uh, um it's turn based. No, it's not turn based. I don't think it was turn based. It was uh it's an action RPG and uh, you're on this desert planet and you're trying to escape and you're getting hired by mercenaries and uh this strange mysterious guy uh with a sword gives you this sword to to use and mm. uh you go exploring the various planets it's a good game but it's not on ps3 store i think it was a ps2 game and it was on the ps4 store here's so, the thing um the playstation 3 originally launched with the emotion engine do you remember that yeah. which would allow you to automatically play PS2 games, and it would upscale the PS2 games to be like a PS3. So that may be the reason why it was not on PS3, because you could already play it on PS3 without... Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. All right. Tango Gameworks, rumored to be making a JRPG next. This is from Games Radar. Hi-Fi Rush and Exit Within Studio, Tango Gameworks is rumored to be working on a new IP in the form of a yet-to-be-announced JRPG. This information comes from Leaker Xtalis via the Reddit post, who claims that Tango Gameworks is currently working on a JRPG, which will be a new IP for the studio. According to the Leaker, this mysterious JRPG is just one of two games currently known to be works at the studio, with other one apparently not being the Evil Within 3 or any game within that series, despite the fact that it seemingly teased a a Hi-Fi Rush Easter egg. So yeah, this leaker um, actually predict correctly uh, predicted uh, certain things from various games in the past. So people are taking this with a little bit more than a grain of salt. Um, I would not be surprised if they're making a new JRPG. To tell you the truth, they tend to um, they've they've had some uh, uh, variation in the kinds of games they make. And to tell you the truth, uh, Tango GameWorks making a JRPG, I, I would be very interested in. I'll have to wait and see what it is. I mean, JRPG is a very broad term. I wonder who's like, you know, like I guess no studio is just one person, but I wonder who's running things over there now that uh, Shinji Mikami is gone. Eh, you know, he probably has a probably has his own uh, proteges. Um, I remember, but here's the thing: I remember that uh, Microsoft managed to crack Japan twice with two games that were JRPGs. One was Blue uh, was Blue Dragon, which was eventually made into a Nintendo handheld game, and it. Blue Dragon was extremely popular. It was turned into an anime. It actually sold 360s. And the other one was uh, Lost Odyssey. <coughs> Both games are by Mistwalker, I think. And Lost Odyssey is still a classic now. Yeah. I'm I'm all for more JRPGs from uh, Tango Game. I'm all for more games from Tango Gameworks. Hi-Fi Rush was a blast. 
loved uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. And I love uh, The Evil Within 2. They seem to be, like, flexing their creative chops, and that's fun, too. Because, like, Hi-Fi Rush is completely different from anything else they've done. Yeah, well, I mean, I think from a... uh... From a from an attitude, from a sense of humor, I think it was equal. It's basically God Hand, except as a as a rhythm uh, action game. That's good because God Hand was awesome. I mean, the sense of humor, not necessarily the gameplay, but yeah, um, it'll be interesting. Um, I, like I said, the game, the the few JRPGs that Microsoft actually produced have been really good. So we'll see what happens with this one. I wonder. So here's the thing with when Microsoft and its studios. A lot of the times it, it goes, what do you want to make? Okay, make that. You know, like, oh, we want to make Gears Tactics. Sure, go ahead. I wonder if this is one of the rare exceptions in which they went up to Tango Gameworks and said, make us a JRPG. Hmm. Maybe that's why Shinji Mikami left. He didn't want to make a JRPG. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, let's move on to the next time. Go ahead, TJ. All right. Second confirms it's buying Angry Birds and pushing into mobile. From Polygon, set is, er, Sega is set to acquire Rovio, the Finnish company behind the Angry Birds games, for three quarters of a billion dollars. The company announced on Monday morning, or sorry, the company announced on Monday morning. The Wall Street Journal had flagged the deal as close to completion on, fly, on Friday, although it predicted a higher one billion dollar price tag. Sega made it clear that it was looking to strengthen its position in the mobile gaming market and to use Rovio's expertise to bring Sega's own intellectual property, which includes the Sonic the Hedgehog, of course, at uh, mobile in a major way. Oh, you just know they're going to do it. They're going to do an endless runner with say, with Sonic. You have to you have to guess that. Probably. Although you know, maybe they could they could talk to Bioware about porting their their Sonic RPG to to mobile. You say Sonic right away. I think it's going to be something more like Bomberman or Puyo Puyo. No, but I'm just saying, remember the Sonic RPG, the turn-based RPG by Bioware? Yes. Well, that would be nice to have on mobile. Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to, I think it's going to, I think some of their first plays with this would probably be to do something with Puyo Puyo on mobile or, uh, or what was the other one I said? Bomberman. Bomberman. Yeah. Uh, football manager would also be good. Um, but, uh, the deal, which has been approved by Rovio's board and shareholders, puts a 706 million euro price tag on the Angry Birds studio, or approximately 775 million US dollars. Sega says it's expected to be able to complete the acquisition by the end of September 2023. Rovio will become part of Sega Europe and the, and the UK-based subsidiary of subsidiary that also accompanies encompasses studios like Creative Assembly, which does Total War, and Sports Interactive, which does Football Manager. So there you go. Uh, in return, Sega says it will help Rovio expand outside of mobile gaming and launch its games on other platforms. It also noted that both companies have been quite successful in the multimedia realm, bringing Angry Birds and Sonic to the movie theaters. Although the I, liked, I liked the Angry Birds movie. I didn't think it was great, but uh, I thought it was good <laughs> enough. Uh, I thought it was okay. I didn't. Th- I didn't think it was a disaster anyway. It was watchable. Yeah. But here, you know what? I would like to see an Angry Birds type game on 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 a console because here's the thing. You know, I really loved Reketeer. Um, Reketeer, the game that was the Connect game in which you pulled back and then you flung yourself and you waved your arms to knock down buildings and stuff like that. I like that. They should bring that to. They should bring Angry Birds. Uh, you know, a 3D Angry Birds to a console. 
The first thing I thought of when I saw this was that uh, we have you have an Angry about... Birds in 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 Super Smash Brothers. That's the first thing you thought, right? Nope. <laughs> we have. Oh come on! About... Angry Birds would be great in in Super Smash. Are you kidding me? Jonah, we haven't heard anything about Sega's Mega Game in a while. Who cares? The Mega Game that is to end all games. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for it to be a Mega Game, I have to imagine that it's going to be multi-platform, multimedia, and this in that light. Grabbing a, a well de- a well established and and mobile developer that knows what they're doing makes sense to me. You know, one of the reasons why uh, Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard is because they want their mobile company uh, sector too. Because um, oh, damn it, uh, all of a sudden the name escapes me again. Candy yeah. Crush, Candy Crush, Candy Crush yeah. is is still big, so they want a piece of that pie. So it looks like a lot of companies are a lot of companies are starting to try and get back into mobile again. Yeah. Only this time they like they're going to other companies that have succeeded in that space instead of trying themselves, which is not a bad idea. Wait, did Activision Blizzard succeed in that space with Diablo? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, maybe not, but Kang has always, has almost always succeeded. Uh, the folks who make Candy Crush. Yes, I know who they are. Um, but yeah, like this if. I can't imagine why Sega would want to spend $775 million on this unless it, was, it went beyond just making mobile games and getting more into the mobile space. I have to imagine that Rovio is part of their strategy for the mega game because all, everything, I'll hail the mega game. Angry Birds NFTs. I can see it now. <laughs> uh, I want to know. I want to know what the hell the mega game is supposed to be. Bring back Farmville, damn it. I don't care about those other games. I haven't played Angry Birds in a long while. Yeah, it's still pretty decent. They do they do some new things here and there, but uh, yeah, it's still I, mostly the same as you yeah. remember. What was the name of the? Oh right, uh, Plants vs Zombies. When they went to uh, the sequel, just went into microtransaction hell. Yeah, I miss. I hope they make a new. Oh, actually, I, I forgot. You have Garden Warfare. Uh, well, you know what? I hope. EA makes a makes a fourth game in that series because I really didn't like the third game. I love the first two games. I didn't like the third game. I hope they improve the fourth game if they ever release it. You know what else would be kind of fun and would probably work to Rovio's strengths? Yeah, crossover creating, with Plants vs Zombies. Creating a free to play version of Two Point Academy or Two Point University. Okay. <laughs> like a like a free to play mobile version of building your own campus or building your hospital and. You know, they did the same thing with Dungeon Keeper, and it wasn't really good. So right. we'll have to see, yeah. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to the next item. Cult of the Lamb's Relics of the Old Faith arri- update arrives this month, and this comes from Shack News. Cult of the Lamb developer Massive Monster has previously teased new content for the upcoming cult management sim slash roguelite hybrid in its Rogues of the Old Faith update during the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. Did you watch that, either of you? I did. What what else? What I know there was some things that really opened my eyes there, and I completely forgot them. What what opened your eyes in the indie indie showcase? Blasphemous two. Oh okay. That was easily my favorite thing I saw during that thing because Blasphemous in the first place is a beautifully animated game, and Blasphemous two looks like it's going to be the same. It's they're bringing back they're bring they're bringing back religious guilt Metroidvania. Oh, they also are bringing in a, a new uh, Necrodancer game, uh, Rift of the Necrodancer. Yeah, they just said it was 2023 again, which we we knew that before. There was a lot of stuff in that Nintendo Indie Showcase that, that had already been announced. And yeah, like Oxenfree too. 
Yeah. Well, Oxenfree got a, an actual release date, but like Rift of the Necrodancer we knew about, but they didn't really say anything new about it other than the fact that like, hey, just so you know, it's going to be on Switch as well. Which oh, I think we also knew that. Yeah. Another game that got a release date, a firm release date that a lot of people are interested in is Bomb Rush Cyberpunk because that's yeah. supposed to be the sequel, to, well, the spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio. Which I'm way interested in that one. I hope it. Uh, I hope it succeeds. Yeah. Well, we know we'll know what Scott wants to play. <laughs> Unfortunately, it looks like Scott's internet cut out. Well, we know that Scott wants to play Little Kitty Big City. That's a good one too. <laughs> um, not quite as uh, not quite as bloody as uh, Blasphemous Two, but uh. Hey, you always want to do a, a kitty RPG, <laughs> <laughs> which you could dress up your kitty in any way possible. I really like that they're like going all out with like weapons and blasphemous too as well. Did you see the trailer for it, Jonah? Yes, I did. Yes, yes. <laughs> they have uh, they have a, a, a rapier and dagger. They have a like chain mace, and then they have like this blood blade that uh, that allow. And each of them can do different things to the environment. The rap the the rapier can uh, allow you to travel through uh, uh, mirrors and like jump through them into different areas that would otherwise be unreachable. Uh, the mace can create platforms from objects in the room, and the uh, the the praying blade can destroy objects and open new paths. So, like, you're not going to be able to see the game from using one weapon. You're going to have to use them all at some point. I like that. It's really interesting to me. Um, getting back to uh, the news item, among the content featured in Relics of the Older of the Old Faith is a new post-game story that build upon the ga- base game's ending. Combat has also received a revamp as Massive Monster has added heavy attacks for swords, daggers, and gauntlets. New bosses have also been added to the game, supporting unique behaviors that will uh, provide players with a new challenge. As the name implies, Lyrics of the Old Faith also adds new relics to use in combat. This includes Freeze All, Poison All, and Tentacle. The used random relic will activate the re- effect of another relic at random. It's coming out on Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series S and X, and PC as a free update on next week, April 24th. See, another free update. Is Sony watching? Probably not. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed Cult of the Lamb because it's basically the Binding of Isaac, except they have that entire uh, management sim attached to it. Have you played it yet? It's so much cuter than Binding of Isaac. <laughs> yeah. Even though you have lambs with the bl- uh, blood leaping from their eyes. Yeah, but then you have Little Lamb, who is just, he just looks adorable at all times. <laughs> And he always goes, eh, when he's doing something, when he's, <laughs> when he's doing his little sermon. And his followers that just can't even clean up after their own poop. Yeah. Also, you know, also when they have their little angry eyes when they, when they're not, when they're not loyal anymore. <laughs> yeah. The little angry eyes. But no, I love Cult of the Lamb. It's, it's a very silly, funny game. I haven't played it in a while. It's cool that they're doing this. Is this is like a huge content update for it too? This looks like the kind of stuff that you could put into a, a five dollar DLC if they really wanted to. But that's really nice of them to make it free. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't played in a while. Um, I might get back to it. There's just so many things I'm, I'm checking out right now. I haven't even been able to play Everspace lately because just doing all this other stuff. It's just uh, dominating my time. Fortunately, we did lose uh, Scott. <laughs> Sorry, Scott, you're out there in the uh, in the metaverse. See, that's Way what happens. Be a Scott. That's what happens when when you do uh, meta too much. You have to get you have to fall into the metaverse. Of course, we're almost done with the podcast anyway, so it's 
not like yeah. using anything there. But um, yeah, I mean, now I I know that a lot of people were annoyed that they weren't showing the new uh, the uh, new uh, Hollow Knight game. Oh geez, I forgot the name of it. You know the female lead character. What is it called again? The new Hollow Knight game or expand or whatever it is. I think it's a, a separate Silk song. Yeah. But uh, the thing is that Microsoft has been dominating the news over that. I think that's intent. That's my, Microsoft domain. Even if it's multi-platform, Microsoft has been pushing it for the developers. So I'm pretty sure that Silksong will be in June during Microsoft's uh, conference. Yeah. Uh, every time somebody, every time we get something like this, everybody's like, please announce Silksong. Please announce Silksong. Well, they please did announce Silksong. Silk I mean, they just want to see gameplay. That's all. Sure, they want a release date. They want anything. Just, just a crumb. Just a crumb, sir. Yeah. Cherry uh, is just silent. Hollow Knight is okay. only Hollow Knight is on sale for three bucks. I might pick it up anyway. It's a really good game. I know. I played it when it was on Game Pass. I need but, to play the DLC to that game sometime. I've never beaten like the. I've never beaten the extended. Like they had like four major DLCs for it, right? I've never played any of them. I just don't have the time. I mean, it's. What's funny is, um, you know, I'm probably going to devote more time to games that don't require that much of a, a like, like Coffee Talk too. I can do that in like three days. Just do everything, you know. Yeah, Hollow Knight does take some time. So it's like I want to play EverSpace too. I don't have the time. I want to do more of Meet Your Maker. I don't have the time for it right now. I just, just so much. You know, that's one thing I never see. Here's the thing about having a press account is that. Every time there's a new game, there's often going to be games just shoved into your into your thing. Oh, these are now available for you to review. I can't. I don't <laughs> have the time. There, you know, I, there are the games that I want to play, like Out of the Park Baseball four, uh, 24, which is fine because you know those are the, that's the sort of game I can play in an hour and just keep simming, simming, simming. I'm done. I'll, I'll try something else later. Did I tell you I was writing a screenplay? So that's taking my time too. So yeah, yeah. It's just there's just so much many hours in a day, and then I have to keep checking to see if there are any roles available. So it's sort of like just bouncing everything. That's why I want to move to L.A., damn it, so I can be far away from everybody and just do things at my leisure. Yeah. You're you're in Austin, right? Uh, I'm in Dallas. Okay. So, yeah, but you go to Austin because that's where the video games are. Um, It's harder to get to Austin nowadays because it's four hours away, but – uh. Dallas is pretty good for games, too. Yeah, I know, but there's a metric fuck ton of developers in Austin. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot I, of studios down there. I remember going to Creative Assembly and them showing me Orcs Must Die, and then they gave me a free copy of their Age of Empires 3 board game. Anyway, um, looking forward to Cult of the Lambs. Uh, it might draw me back into the game to play the uh, to play the expansion. Yeah, I... Uh, I, I, I I'm definitely going to check this out at some point just because I'm, I'm all for more Cult of William. By the way, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, it's so f- rare that I actually buy games anymore. And Cult of Lamb, I did buy and I pre-ordered it, in fact. So and that's why it sticks out to me is because it's one of those games I actually bought. Hmm. Look, for, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback, so come to our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, hit us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can you find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find Scott at Shard No More, wherever he is right now. Shard No More. Yeah. 
Uh, we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. <laughs> Be cool. Play games, y'all.